Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. One, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody, we are back. Welcome to the Career Expert Live. I am your host, Joseph Joe Wu and we've got an amazing guest coming up here in about five minutes in Jonathan Raymond. Uh, it's going to be super excited to talk to Jonathan. Uh, hopefully, everybody's doing well. You might be able to tell or not inside my office here. We have a big storm going on outside. It's raining. Uh, we've got some heavy thunder. The weather's been kind of wacky lately, but I guess that's a sign of spring. Uh, but turning to our guest, Jonathan Raymond, uh, he loves people, loves ideas, and what he loves most is helping people take their ideas and make them fly. So led him to his 20-year career doing business development in some very different industries. And he's a CEO, uh, he's been CEO of global coaching businesses. He's led uh, multi-year transformations of cultures and brands. Uh, he co-founded a renewable energy company and a nonprofit that taught meditation and yoga to at-risk youth, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and his roles and personal journey drove him to launch a company called Refound to share the best of what he's learned in a way people can use. Um, so he lives in uh, Oregon with his wife and uh, daughter, and uh, they have a very lazy dog, apparently. Uh, but if you're in a leadership position and looking for a mentor, uh, you can learn more about working with uh, Jonathan, and we'll speak to him in a little bit here. But uh, very interesting to um, get to know Jonathan a little bit here and uh, what he does and his company does. I think it's going to be exciting to bring him on a little bit, but he has a partner in Joseph Shapiro. Uh, so it's refound.com, R-E-F-O-U-N-D.com. And he's going to be having a book out soon uh, called The uh, Good Authority and How to Become the Leader Your Team is Waiting For. So super excited to uh, get that book, um, pre-ordering that as well, because I, I like leadership and I like to read different things. And I think what Jonathan brings is uh, sort of a no-nonsense approach, a um, little bit different style than you're probably used to. Uh, and again, you know, as, as I talk a little bit about his little bit changes, he inspires other leaders to make. Um, and his new book is, I think, really going to be refreshing. Uh, it's going to be full of good practical information. Um, and for the leader who wants to do work that matters. And I think when we hear the terms leadership, you know, it's always confusing. The waters always get muddy. What's a leader? You know, what does that person do? Where are the lines drawn? You know, how do you be successful? But I think if you're looking for a roadmap to help the people on your team or their own work, um, you know, you're going to be able to read his book and get some really good advice and we'll get some, some good information from here shortly. Um, but we'll give it a few minutes and Jonathan will be on. Just want to get to the top news stories um, as we continue to see the political landscape. Uh, most of you heard on the Republican side, uh, got the primaries today in Pennsylvania and Delaware and a few other states. And Trump is actually uh, supposedly going to win those states. But if you heard uh, Senator John Kasich or excuse me, Governor Kasich and uh, Senator Ted Cruz are teaming up to try to defeat Trump. So um, I think we're in for a roller coaster of a summer here on the Republican side. And I think on the Democratic side, it still seems to be uh, Hillary Clinton in the lead. Bernie Sanders has got a lot of room to make up. 
But, uh, you know, as we continue to talk about that information, uh, bring that up because we want to know what is, you know, what are they going to be doing to create jobs and, and have a healthy economy running forward. So it's always good to have that information out there. Uh, no major news in uh, job sectors. Uh, we don't have any major layoffs or hirings at this point. Uh, it seems like every couple of weeks we, we get uh, wind of big companies that might be doing some layoffs. Haven't heard any additional information on DuPont Corporation. It's been very quiet. Uh, as you remember, they had layoffs over the holiday season. So we will continue to look and we are getting ready to bring Jonathan on. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Good, good. Doing great. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time on uh, the show today. Absolutely. Joy to be on. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Well, let's get right to it. So I talked to the folks a little bit about your bio and uh, your background, but for those of our folks who don't know, can you tell us a little bit more about what ReFound actually is? You bet. Yeah. So um, I uh, came out of the coaching industry. I was the CEO of a company that probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with, a company called EMIS. That was one of the pioneers in the business coaching space. And I decided to take things in a new direction. And ReFound is a, you could think of it as a leadership development company, but we really focus on one thing, which is helping people do accountability really well. You know, it's like that thing that everybody talks about and says is really important, but how do you actually do it in a granular step-by-step way? Right. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's a big thing. You know, as I you know, talk to leadership and I've had that experience too, I just feel like accountability is always, you know, the big thing that seems to be missing. So, so what are some of the things that you do with ReFound to help people kind of gain that accountability? The, the biggest thing we do is we help people blend personal and professional growth. And I think that that's really what makes our approach different. I feel like most of the messages out there, there's kind of the professional management theory side of it. And then for right. most people these days, there's a, there's a huge emphasis on the personal growth side and being able to do those two things at the, at the same time. That's really the art of how to do it well. Yeah, no, that's, I definitely agree with you on that. And I think that's, that's a huge thing. Blending those is a, is a really nice thing. Cause I think, you know, as, as I was in corporate America for 20 some years, uh, seeing a lot of leadership development courses was very much just on the professional side. And they didn't really see a lot of the personal development growth. It was like, okay, here's some things you should do, you know, here's some simple courses, but it really didn't delve into, you know, you yourself being that better leader or stepping it up further, you know, and you have to go outside of the, uh, the realm of your employer to actually find those courses or go to trade shows or seminars and things like that. So I kind of like that, uh, that combination. It seems like it's, it's uh, something very good. Mm. Yeah, that's ex- exactly what happens is we make it two things and it really should be one thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about uh, to how you um, got your start in your career? Where'd you start? Um, I know you talked about EMIT a little bit, but uh, can you walk us through some steps in your career and uh, go from there? Yeah, I, uh, I graduated law school uh, back in 1998 and I uh, had a, a very brief uh, career as a lawyer in New York uh, working for a large firm. I told, told a few hopefully funny stories about that in the book. Um, and I, I had this experience, you know, over and over again, working in the tech industry, wireless technology, in the nonprofit world that, you know, people were really the same everywhere, which is mostly there was a, there was a culture full of good people who wanted to do great and meaningful work. But the way the organization was, was being run, uh, the standards around communication, and really, you know, to come back to that issue of accountability, there was, a, there was just something missing in the way business was being handled in, a, in an impersonal or an inhumane way. So 
I went from yeah. law to the dot-com 2000 era version in San Francisco. I worked for a wireless applications company, uh, started a nonprofit where we, uh, separately uh, teaching kids in juvenile hall how to do meditation, how to do yoga, and kind of bounced around my career for a little bit, started a renewable energy company, right. uh, and then made my way to, uh, to the business coaching industry after that. That's awesome. So what were some early successes you had in your career? If you know there were maybe one or two things that really stood out that you did really well and was a good success, what were those things? Yeah, when I was in the, the wind energy industry, which is sort of on the, on the bleeding edge, I um, was really proud of a – we were the first company to get a power purchase agreement. Anybody who's ever been in the utility industry knows that's sort of a, the yeah. holy grail, but we were the first firm to get a power purchase agreement in the province of British Columbia – uh, for a wind energy project. And the project was not without its uh, major, major nightmares along the way. But, uh, right. you know, Bill writing this 100-page RFP and, you know, the level of granularity that you get down to, you know, building a long-term power project or even in the planning stages, which is where we were, uh, that, right. was a, that was a huge victory to put that out there and say and, and to have that contract be bought. That's awesome. That's, that's pretty neat. Uh, and what were some lessons that you learned, you know, in your career early on, you know, some things that kind of taught you and said, Hey, I got to do better here. I got to step up my game, you know, in this area. The biggest thing that I learned and I didn't have a solution for until much later was right. that a lot of people weren't doing it the way I was doing it in the sense that I really thrived on having my fingers in a lot of different things and, you know, pushing things forward and always coming up with new ideas and as I was building teams or I was inheriting teams, if I was, you know, new to a, too new to a company um, or a startup, there, there was a different energy for the people on that team. And I always, and I, I just never could quite connect, you know, wh why don't people go to, the, go to work the way I go to work? Not that the way I went to work is perfect, right. but there was, right. a, there was just a big disconnect. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And I remember early on in my career, that's, that's, I think it's kind of the same thing is, you know, I would uh, be the first person in, you know, last person to leave, I'd be working my tail off, you know, doing stuff on the weekends. And, and you know, my work ethic might be different than most people. But I was kind of feeling the same way. I'm like, you know, why don't these people just get it? And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, talking about the message and delivering like the, um, you know, team vision, mission and goals and things like that. I would do once a quarter and talk to them. And, I just, I'd sit there and say, why, why don't these people just get it? This isn't that hard. And you know, always felt like there was kind of a wall. So when I transitioned a couple of times, I, I ran into some of those challenges and you know, had some attrition and lost some people. So that's, that's, a, that's a good lesson, definitely. And I think, you mm -hmm. know, as I kind of got through my career a little bit, I learned, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to get in there and sort of let the team talk and kind of get to know them a little bit more. And that's some of the things that I started stepping up my game on is, is let the team talk, you know, let them perform and sort of settle in, you know, subtly, unless it was a, it's kind of a drastic situation where you need to get in there and really add some energy or add some, some value pretty quickly. But, you know, that's one of the things that I did that seemed to work very well. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was, that really parallels my experience. And, you know, I love that, you know, what you said about, you know, sort of, we try and leaders try with right. visions and values and KPIs and all of those things. But what it comes down to is a way of listening. And the thing that most leaders miss that, that I was missing and, you know, that the way that we work with leaders now is to say, look, remember, vision's important, brand, values, KPIs, right. those are all important. But remember, those are about the business. Those are about your goals. That's where you want to get to. What about their dreams? Where do they right. want to get to? And the real leadership work is closing the gap between those two. There's a way that they could, that your 10 year vision can, can resonate with their individual life goals, but that's where the real leadership work is, is bridging the gap between those two. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one thing I think, you know, later stages of my career, I was really trying to pay attention to with people was, is, okay, where do they want to go? Where do I see them going? And I was a part of a lot of career laddering initiatives and really wanted to kind of develop people because I, I noticed a couple of different times where, you know, I'd be running help desk or call centers and, and people would just kind of get up and leave and be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm moving on to another company. I'm like, wow, that's a great person that left. Why is that happening? And, you know, you mm. really see that sort of career laddering piece. So that's, that's a great point that you, um, you bring up. And I think it's, it's very key to really dig in there and kind of figure out, you know, what, what makes people tick, what's their why and, and what they're doing so you can help them and really bring it all together as part of the company mission and vision. So it's great stuff. Mm-hmm. And do you hear too, a lot of people still say though, and I, and I hear this a lot too, is, you know, people always seem to say as a leader, well, maybe I just don't have the right people. You know, I, I you know, hired this person. I just don't understand why, where they're performing. Do you see a lot of that when you kind of go out there and consult with people and companies? I do. I, you know, I would say it's, it's not the most common question or most common right. statement. It's one of them. And that's one of the myths that I, that I try to debunk in the book is that, you know, this, there's this mysterious thing that happens, which is we go, we, you know, we hire somebody, we're really optimistic, we're really hopeful, they're really excited. And then this good person that we hired somehow becomes a bad person or not the right person. And what happened right. in, that, in that intervening space? And mostly, you know, and again, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't preach it if I didn't live it which is that mostly what happens is that leaders don't listen and we don't really pay attention. We don't confront behavior early on in the process. There are things that people are doing all day long where they're sabotaging themselves. They're sabotaging the team. We can probably get into some of those kind of buckets of behaviors that I, that I teach leaders. This is what you need to look out for. But the problem is if you don't intervene early and often, then you get frustrated and then you act out as a manager by ignoring somebody or managing around them, devolves to politics, they get frustrated, and then they either leave or you end up firing yep. them and you're like, you know, what happened? And then, you, you know, how do I do it differently in the hiring process? And oftentimes it's not the hiring process, it's the training yep. and the onboarding. And, and what do you, what, how are you intervening with people where it really matters? Yeah, I agree. And I, I worked for a few companies where, you know, we, we have the best you know, hiring process and, you know, you'd see the training and I'd see it from the outside. Wow. Okay. This training really needs to, needs to be better. These people are coming on board. We got some smart people here and they just don't seem to be picking it up. And then we try to retrain them, retrain them again. And, you know, the focus is all, the hiring process is broken. So that's where everybody would go. So do you, do you see that as a, as a big thing a lot of companies are doing is they try to put so much money and effort in the hiring process where they don't really, really delve into the training and, and spend a lot on, on, you know, getting the training programs better? I do. I mean, I think, you know, if you add up the amount of time, if you manage a team, if you add up the time you spend actually managing around the people on your team and, you know, trying to negotiate interpersonal challenges and going home to your wife or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, complaining about people. I mean, we spend so much time as managers. And if we just learn to have direct conversations with people, hold them accountable for the result, give them the support that they need, amazing things can happen. You don't have to rebuild your hiring process, because look, you don't know that you're not going to, no matter how great your hiring process is, yep. I don't care how great it is. People be, you learn about people once they start working for you. And that's, exactly. when, you, that's when they need your help. Yeah, exactly. And, and I agree. I see so many people spend so much money and focus on bringing all these, you know, super talented recruiters in. they bring all these firms and pay all this money. And then I'm like, oh. well, you know, you, you, you really look at the training program and, and that's really where it lies because you're absolutely right. And that's, I've interviewed over, you know, some 4,000 people for jobs and careers and you're never going to know it's, it's a risk. It always is a risk. You know, that great person might just turn yeah. out to be something, you know, something not, not so great and, and happens quite frequently. So, yeah, because whatever they did in their past, they never worked for you before, right? So right. it's going to be a new, a new scenario. 
Yep. No, exactly. And and what what are some things though you see as far as other types of things where where the sabotage kind of going on? You know, I, I see a lot of things. I think that's obviously we talked about you know hiring process and the way we are, but you know, the communication I think is, is something I see uh, a lot of where is a huge breakdown in, in that interpersonal communication. But what are what are some of those other things that you see where there's sabotage kind of going on? The way we break it down is, you know, one, communication is one of those areas where I think what's really important is to break it down into the component parts. So we really right. focus on the relationality of how your behavior. So for example, you know, always scheduling your meetings back to back or not responding to emails or not responding to direct questions in emails and really highlighting the, the specific small behaviors that people do and then help them see how that impacts the other people on their team, how that impacts you as their boss. And then most importantly, how it impacts them from being the kind of person they want to be. And so we really, we, we, you know, we, I feel like a lot of what we do at Refound and the good authority training is taking ideas that people will say will seem familiar, but breaking them down to a level of granularity where you can actually work with them so that people can grow. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, especially in, in email communication and that's a great point you bring up too, because it, it amazes me sometimes in so many big corporations where, you've got, you know, two people basically sitting, you know, 10 feet from each other and the guy's got to email the person, start slamming them in an email or, you know, gets part of the all caps in there. And, and it's a big communication breakdown. And I'm like, why don't you guys just go talk in the conference room there and figure it out. You can figure it out probably in five minutes and hash it out and have that direct communication versus, but let's keep putting it back in an email and kind of slamming each other and trying to one up each other. It's just amazing. You know, you yeah. see that stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's quite common and it, and it drags teams down. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I think you say is that people should lead with vulnerability. And I, I can't agree more with you on that because, um, you know, in, in the coaching I've done, you know, vulnerability open up and you become raw. And I think that's, that's so key. So what are, what are some of the things that people can do to kind of lead with that vulnerability that you teach people? The thing that I work with most CEOs on that, that we're sort of allergic to as CEOs is to actually own what we feel, right? So right. if somebody on the team, you, you feel like they're slipping in you to, on their goals or they're, you know, they're, there's something going sideways on their team, instead of going into fix-it mode and telling them what they should do differently, the vulnerability to me is saying, hey, I'm noticing something and it's worrying me right? Yeah. That's vulnerability, right? It's, it's being able to surface your emotion and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe there's information you have that I don't, but here's what I'm picking up on. Uh, what, do you make, what do you make of this? You know, can you, can you yeah. help me with that? And that's the vulnerability that leaders are, are we're conditioned not to do. We're not, we're not conditioned right. to do that kind of vulnerability. And it's the most important part because then it puts the onus on them to go, wow, I, I wonder yeah. why that's happening. What can I do to change it? Yeah. And I, and I still, it's amazing. I still see, you know, so many people think vulnerability is such like this sort of, you know, dirty word or something, or it's not, you know, this sort of masculine thing, but it, it really is a beautiful thing when, you know, when you kind of get in there and just open up and be vulnerable. And I love how you say, you know, I'm noticing something, I'm feeling this, I'm picking up on this. Cause that's a lot of, you know, what I do, you know, or my career, what I used to do is, Hey, I'm, I'm noticing your performance is dipping. What's going on here. Just really opening up and kind of getting that dialogue going. And it goes so much more than getting out there and starting to yell at people saying, Hey, your performance stinks, go pick it up, you know, and just being so direct. Exactly. Sometimes you got to have that vulnerability uh, in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I, I like that. That's yeah, great. It gives, you know, we have a tool we call the accountability dial to help people do right. that because, you know, just to avoid what we, you know, no, you don't need spontaneous management combustion. It's, it doesn't take much. <laughs> 
but there, but, there, but there is a methodology to getting in there early, having the right small conversations, establishing small next steps for people, holding them accountable. And then, you know, there's always, right. time, to turn, there's always time to turn up the heat if you need to. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, down the road, you get somebody who, okay, over time, you've worked with them a couple months, three, six months, you know, performance is not there, it keeps going down, then you got to get that more direct approach. But yeah, I see that so often where you get some of these leaders coming in, and they're just so direct. And so, um, so in people's faces, it, it's such a turnoff. And then you see the attrition, and you kind of wonder why, you know, and you know, but you wonder why and say, wow, why is management picking up on that? They just don't, uh, they don't, uh, they don't see it at all. But uh, it, yeah. it's really amazing. But do you see a lot of fear, you know, in leaders? Because I really feel like as, as I've coached with a lot of leaders and, and business executives, you know, I feel like a lot of them at times, you know, they kind of get this, this sort of attitude. They get this, you know, frustration towards people. And it just seems like there's some underlying things going on with some fear. And obviously it might be some things outside that they bring in. But I, I just sense that there's a lot more fear that people have that you know, they might lose their job. And they're really acting out of leadership of fear is what I call it. Completely agree. I think the, the yeah. universal experience that I, that I experience with managers is the fear of letting go because they think it's going to reflect badly on them if they have right. a boss or they think it's going to wreck their company if they think it's, they're the owner. And underneath it is fear. And that's why whatever method people choose, you've got to create a peer accountability, peer support as a business yep. owner or as a manager. And that, that's a lot of what we, we offer, but there's a lot of different ways to do that. But the only, the only wrong answer is to try to do it alone because that's yeah. when you get frustrated, you don't have an outlet, and then you lash out at the people on your team. And lashing out doesn't always mean yelling, right? It can, there's a lot of different ways to do it, to, to, right. to wear your emotion and make your team pay the price instead of learning how to communicate with them openly and, and vulnerably. Right. And, and, you know, I think when you, when you think about that too, and you say, you know, don't do it alone, do you recommend, you know, having mentors or having sort of a, a peer group to kind of help, you know, sort of bounce ideas off and things like that? Is that some of what you teach as well? Yeah, it's, we, we teach it and we offer it because we think it's really, you know, they say, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. You know, we think, right. we think it takes a village to do accountability really well. And so, you know, we, we have CEOs in peer groups where they get to know each other and have other people who are going through the same experience of them. We have managers who are doing the same. We work kind of multiple layers in an organization. So we don't just put it all on the CEO. It's not just the CEO's responsibility to change the culture. Right. It's everybody's responsibility to change the culture. And so we try to give everybody the support they need to, to grow personally and then we don't have to trust we see the result that when you when, when everybody is charged with growing personally the organization changes for the better yeah absolutely because everybody's on board everybody's kind of dialed in together and I, I always call it that well-oiled machine and it's absolutely amazing when you see everybody work so well together and I know so many companies out there that, that do that and then there's so many you know companies that just kind of you know grow so fast and and you know they have that issue with leadership so do you see a lot of that in in your dealings with, you know, companies where you see, you know, especially being out where you're at, um, you know, you see companies that grow so fast that the leadership is really uh, neglected. So how do you, how do you rectify that situation, especially if they're growing fast at an exponential rate every single year? Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, they got, a, they got a big leadership problem. Yeah, I think the first is just an awareness of what, what I see a lot, especially these days, is junior people being promoted into managerial roles that they're not prepared for. And that's, yep. that's fine, right, in a way. They just need training. And so just yeah. an awareness that the skills that got you to become the director of marketing or the, whatever, or the CTO or whatever, you're, you know, the head salesperson, those technical skills are not enough to manage a team. It's a different set of skills. It's fine. You're not a bad person for not knowing that. The responsible thing is just to create forums to create a way to do that 
so that you learn this other set of skills. Holding people accountable is a skill. It's not something people are born with or not born with. You've got to learn it. And, there, yep. and, you know, I wish there were more companies teaching people how to do it, you know, in one way, but I'm glad that we're teaching people how to do it. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and, and I think from, you know, when you start early on in your career and especially leadership role, it's always hard. And I think, and, and I see it with a lot of young kids coming up where, you know, they're just so afraid and they just don't want to, you know, say, oh, I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And I teach them yeah, probably the same things you yeah. do. It's just sometimes you, you got to get in there and hold them accountable and it's okay. It's okay to tell them, hey, your performance is not where it's at. Here's what I'm feeling. Like you talked about some of the vulnerability, but get in there and get that dialogue and that communication going so you can help fix them and, and help get them where they need to be. Yeah, there's one tip that I would offer for, especially for young managers, but really, you know, I've seen people in their 60s and 70s who get a lot of mileage from this one is if you have a boss and you, if you have someone on your team that you want to help and you have a boss, go and talk to your boss about the conversation that you want to have with the person right. on your team. Go and talk to them and say, hey, I, I got to have this conversation with Doug and I'm, you know, I, I, don't, I, hope he doesn't take, I hope he doesn't get defensive, but I'm worried. Just, have some, just talk it out with someone. It might take three minutes. You'll, have yeah. a, you'll be more confident. You'll have a better conversation. Doug will feel it. He'll take ownership of the change far more likely. Good things will happen. Yeah, I, I love that. that. That's a great tip because I, I see, again, see so many people that – you know, they, they kind of just go direct and have a conversation, but, you know, they go off a lot of emotion. They might be frustrated, but yeah, I think it's a great point. Exactly. You know, go and talk to your boss and kind of go through it. And you might get dialed down a little bit more on the emotion and just get in there and, and you know, be be where you need to be at that, that good level of communication. So that's that's a great tip. That's that's awesome. So hmm. you have um, your book coming up. Uh, so The Good Authority, How to Become the Leader Your Team is, is Waiting For. So this is coming up in the next uh, couple of months, I believe. Yeah, the, the full long, we decided to wait a couple months till October because we've gotten some great early response. And so we want to, we're kind of doing the full, the full launch deal, uh, but it's going to be published on October 1st. People can get the, the, uh, the intro to the book at goodauthoritybook.com. Uh, but that's, yep. that's the book that I've been working on over the winter that's coming out this fall. All right. And what was that process like? To say, so this is your first book then, or it seems? It is. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I was and blogging was for many like? years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was really interesting. I, you know, if anybody, people say, you know, writing a book is kind of this process of distilling down all this experience and figuring out what you want to say and what you don't need to say. And it was a, it was an incredible personal journey for me to, to digest my experience being a CEO, other leadership opportunities, other, you know, all the twists and turns of my career and, you know, the, writing the book and the process of having an editor and getting feedback and sharing it with people was a, like all I can say it was a healing experience for me to, to put some things in the past really behind me and to, and to open up and, and share my ideas. And it's scary, you know, to say, Hey, th these are my ideas. I hope you like them. Uh, right. You know, I'd love to share with you more, but it's a scary process. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm going through. I've been sort of, you know, dabbling in that a little bit in putting a book together. I got so many notes and notebooks of stuff and I'm like, I got to put this together. I really have a great story here. I can help people. And, but it, it's also too, I get that in my mind, the same exact thing. Okay. Are they really going to like it or not? I'm like, you know what? I got to go with what my gut's saying and, you know, be the leader I am and, and just do it. So. Yep. Yeah. Write the book you want to read. Yep. No, that's great. So if you had one piece of advice, I know you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the communication piece, but if you have one good piece of advice for our listeners, uh, especially young listeners, uh, going out of college and, and really getting into the working world for the first time uh, and regarding being the best leader they could be, what's that one piece of advice that you could give them? The most important thing I think people need to do is to look at their relationship to both being an authority and to having an authority in their life. We all come with 
so much history from parenting, from our culture, from school. We have a very conflicted relationship with having authority and being authority. And this is the most important thing to me in creating a healthy culture. There is going to be people who are going to be in charge. That's a good thing. There's going to be people who are a few steps behind on the path who have some things to learn. That's also a good thing. And creating creating a culture of authority, healthy authority, good authority, and mentoring is really important for a good culture. And so I would just say, you know, do a little journaling, write some things down. We've got some stuff on our website to ask yourself like, wow, I never really thought about that word. What does that mean to be an authority? What are my negative associations? What am I afraid of? How can I become a good authority to the people in my world? Yeah, no, I think that's a great thing because I think so many people have that sort of notion of, of what it is to be one, but, you know, having the, having the power and the authority, it's, it's two totally separate things, but yeah, I agree. I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice and, and, you know, writing things down is, is absolutely key. That's great. So how does someone uh, get in touch with you then uh, if they want to work with you? I know uh, I gave your information out on refound.com, but um, is there a contact number and information and you guys on social media as well too? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn, Jonathan, at Jonathan Raymond on Twitter. And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn at Jonathan Raymond as well. Uh, you know, you can send me an email, hello at refound.com. That's the easiest place. I, we, I answer all emails personally. Uh, maybe someday I won't be able to, but these days I can. Um, so <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if you're interested in these ideas, um, I'd love to hear from you. And, you know, we have a combination of sort of immersive training programs. We have a lot of free stuff on our website, but we have some immersive training programs, including one that's uh, starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then I work with people individually for, you know, CEOs and business owners who really want to go all in on a culture change project and, and have somebody to, to guide them through it. Great. No, that's great. And I'll make sure to put that information up on our site as well, too. But right before we go, I got one last quick question for you. And uh, it's been a pleasure to, to interview you today. This has been really great. And I think you brought a lot of a lot of good advice. And from what I'm seeing on social media, listeners are really enjoying this uh, this conversation. So this is great. So thank you very much for being a part of it. Hmm. You're welcome. So, it's been my pleasure. Yeah, my la- yep. Yes, yeah, is great. So my last question for you is, uh, so you walk into a restaurant, you sit down at a table, and then in comes your younger self, your 21-year-old self. What do you say to your uh, younger self when you see it sit down in front of you? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would say, uh, you know, don't worry so much about whether other, what, what other people think and whether they like you or not. And that, yeah. uh, you know, if you alienate some people, it means you're probably on track. Yeah, that, that's great. Because I've, I've always, you know, I think when I started out, it was always like, oh, you got to please people and every single person. Now, you know, sometimes you're going to upset people and they might not like it. But uh, I, I think that's such yeah. a key, you know, especially today's young leaders is they want to make everybody happy and you, know, you get upset when somebody gets upset with them. But that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think we we're, we often are worried about being too nice. And I would say be real. Don't yeah. worry about being nice. Worry about being real. I like that. That's great stuff. Well, Jonathan, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your schedule uh, to be on the show. This has been great. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me on. Yep. All right. Take care. Thanks, Jonathan. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. That was Jonathan Raymond. Very, very good stuff. And um, I think you can tell um, his company information and company's got a lot of good information out there. So make sure you go to refound.com and um, look his information up. I think there's a lot to a lot to offer there, and especially as he talked about, you know, being vulnerable, uh, you know, own what we feel. I think that's um, that's very key. And you know, as he talked here, you know, about when he's talking to his younger self, um, you know, don't worry what other people think. You know, as I coach people too, I see so many people who are just out there 
wanting to make sure everybody's happy and, and you can't do that. And I see a lot of older leaders too, kind of doing the same thing. You just got to be real and just get out there and, and be yourself. And you're not going to, you know, not everybody's going to like you. Uh, the key is, is respect and have a good communication out there. Um, but make sure you check out Jonathan's information. We'll put it up on our uh, website and we'll put it up on all the social media. Um, and also too, um, as he said, where his book's at, I've also saw it on Amazon. His book, Good Authority, How to Become a Leader, your team is waiting for. I've already pre-ordered it. Hope you guys will too. And uh, we will definitely be back next week. Uh, we are looking at uh, a pretty busy schedule over the next couple of weeks here on the Career Expert Live. We are working on getting uh, Caleb Maddox. He's the 14-year-old phenom, the uh, extreme uh, motivator and entrepreneur. Uh, you might have seen him, so we're working on nailing down a date and time, but he has committed to it. And Chef Robert Irvine, uh, we are looking for sometime in early July. And in the mix, we've got great and wonderful guests coming up soon. But thank you all so much for listening, and live amazing, everybody. Have a great night. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 